Okay, cool. So today, it's very interesting what God just said about, John just said about um, the nudges. Uh, I want to talk today about God's plan. Um, and I guess the title would be, God's plans are bigger than my fears. Um, I want to share a poem, sort of like my party trick. But um, yeah, let me do the poem and then uh, we'll go from there. I've had some of my fears for nearly 25 years. See my mother cry tears. Wishing I could be like some of my peers. Just a normal guy, not the one that's quite weird. But I could never act like them other guys there. I was scared. Struggling to sleep turned into panic attacks and struggling to breathe. Lies in my mind saying that I might die. I felt this when I was five and still now at 29. Why? I've prayed so many times, and people in this room have stood right by my side, cried out to God because we know he provides, but for some reason it hasn't looked how I'd like. It got me questioning if God's real, and at times I just figured that he's not, still. It's been a battle in my mind, though I can't lie, worked myself to a point where I got ill. I hear a lot of people talk about God's plan. But I struggle to believe that. It's not, man. How could his plan involve such a lot of pain? When he could take it away, I know that God can. I can't help but think, if I were him, I would do it different. But I know I've got a small vision. I struggle making decisions. He breathed life into all that is living. That's a big difference. So while I don't understand all his ways, or why people feel pain, I know that he reigns. I could try and do my own thing, act like I know things that I don't really know in my brain. Or I could try and live my life and plan every minute for the rest of my life and talk like I know what's best for my life. But I know that God's plans are better than mine. So my plans have to get put to the side. And that's not a bad thing. That's exciting to be part of the story he's writing. I believe that God's plan, no matter where in the world, it's better than any story that a fairy could tell. Thank you. So I've recently been challenged uh, by the way in which God works. For a long time I've been quite confused by certain things that I've struggled with in life. And I've just not really been able to understand why God couldn't just take away those things that I struggle with. I've also spent a lot of time worrying about making the right decisions or feeling like I've made the wrong decision in the past about things. And sometimes I've found that clarity a little bit hard to work out. But I'm now seeing that God is at work in all of these things. And even though he doesn't need us, he wants to be involved and he wants us to be involved in bringing his kingdom to this world. So I want to encourage us to focus on the here and now as opposed to um, kind of getting bogged down in trying to work out what the bigger plan at play is. So I'm going to use some personal stories from my life that will hopefully help show this. I've had uh, an interesting year or so with some quite drastic change in my life. And at times it's made me feel like things haven't gone to plan. They definitely haven't gone how I would have planned them to go. But I'm learning that God knows what he's doing a lot better than I know what I'm doing. So it's a right and exciting thing 
to trust in him. So the first thing I want to talk about is fear. Um, and I believe that we can be free from fear. So as I spoke about in that opening poem, I struggled with a few different fears in my life. From pretty much the beginning, uh, kind of still to this day. So my first fear kind of really showed itself when I started primary school. Um, which just wasn't a very nice experience for me. I had a lot of anxiety around primary school. I don't really know why. Um, my parents were all right, you know, they supported me in that. And the school really tried hard to do things that would make it more, uh, a better experience for me. But I just had a lot of anxiety. So I'd kind of try and refuse to go. I'd sort of run out of class when I got there. I'd get panic attacks and all sorts of things. And that kind of happened from the first day of primary school. Um, so it really ended up showing itself in me being a very shy child. I didn't like to talk at school at all, really. I would just try and go, not say anything, get home, and just kind of try and survive. And I figured that I was just a shy person. Um, and that's just what life was going to be like for me. Um, but as I was growing up, I started to feel like God wanted me to use my voice. And being someone that didn't want to use my voice, I kind of found that a little bit hard to uh, recognise at first. But, so for those that don't know, I'm a rapper. That is my career, of sorts. And um, so that involves me using my voice quite a lot. Um, I've performed all around different places. I've spoken and been given opportunities to speak at different places, doing radio interviews and live shows and all these things. And I kind of look back now and I think, I can't really believe I'm the same person. Like, this sort of thing, to be honest with you, is one of my worst nightmares. But, <laughs> but it's not, because I know that God's given me something to say. So, and I think that was what it was. I realised God's given me something to say. He's given me my voice to use. I'm scared of doing that. But if God's given me that to do, then he knows what he's doing, and he can see me through. Um, I'm still not totally free from it, but I know that if I trust God... He's never let me down in that way. So another way in which I've really struggled with fear is um, sleep. I've never really been a good sleeper. I've sort of struggled to sleep on and off throughout my life. But it particularly showed itself as I was growing up, sleeping away from home. Uh, I found it really hard. I would just go away and I, I couldn't sleep. And... Yeah, it just felt like a huge ordeal. I'd get into a very negative way of thinking. Um, I'd feel sleep deprived, feel really tired, feel really down, get a bit sick, feel like... And my mind would end up taking me to a place where, it sounds a bit crazy, but it would, I'd feel like, right, you're going to go away, you're not going to sleep, you're going to get sick, and eventually you're going to die, because if people don't sleep, they die, you know? And it sounds a bit crazy as I say it out loud, but it feels very real at the time. Um, again, the life that I've chosen, particularly in terms of what I feel God's given me to do as a career has involved me travelling a lot more than I probably would have needed to uh, if I had just picked a normal job. Um, so, yeah, I found that quite hard. But again, I've known that God, this is something that God has for me. So I've travelled to like a few different countries to do performing and go for music studio sessions and travelled around the country and done bit, different bits of bobs. Um, and it's been pretty difficult, if I'm honest. It's something that my family and people in this church 
had stood with me in prayer uh, ever since I can remember, really. And I haven't necessarily been freed from it, as I'm saying, in the way that I hoped God would free me from it. And in many ways, I've really struggled with that. Just trying to work out, God, why? You know, I feel like if you're giving me these things, can't you just make it a bit easier for me? Um, And I've struggled to understand how that could be part of God's plan. But there's ways in which God's shown me that he knows what he's doing and uh, he's got it under control. So I think of the story of Joseph in the Bible. I'm sure most of us would be familiar. But a quick overview of Joseph. So he was sort of one of 12 sons. He was his dad's favourite son. Uh, Gave him a nice kind of dream coat and that kind of thing. And he was a little bit arrogant with it. Um, But he kind of knew that he was the favourite. And his brothers, they weren't really... They weren't really fans of him because because he was a favourite. So they wanted to kill him. But then they decided that's probably a bit too far. So they just sold him into slavery instead. Um, so he got sold into slavery in Egypt. And there's obviously it's a long story. He goes from eventually being a slave and a prisoner in Egypt to becoming the second in command in Egypt, only below Pharaoh. And then the story goes on. So he's kind of drifted from his brothers and. There's a famine in the region, and he's kind of in charge in making sure everyone doesn't starve. So his brothers go to Egypt for food, not thinking about him, but there they find him. They're obviously really worried. And I'm just going to read a little bit from it's Genesis chapter 50, um, verse 19. So they've obviously seen Joseph thinking, oh, we sort of sold him into slavery. He might not be very happy. Um, so verse 19, it says, but Joseph told them, don't be afraid of me. Am I God to judge and punish you? Verse 20. As far as I am concerned, God turned into good what you meant for evil. He brought me to the higher place I have today so I could save the lives of many people. So that bit in verse 20 where he says, what you meant for evil, God has used for good. I kind of feel like that with this kind of sleep thing. And I feel like it's something that the enemy would really have wanted to kind of hold me back and stop me from doing what I feel like God's uh, called me to do but he's using it for good. So I'm just going to share a couple of examples of when I've been away recently. Um, So a couple of months back in April, I was part of this tour. Um, So I was going on a tour around, it was around the UK at first, and then we went to France, and then we were going to Germany. And I really like seeing new places. Like, I like travelling. I just know that sleep is going to be hard for me. And at times it feels really worrying. At times I'm just like, it is what it is kind of thing. But so I was leaving to go to France on a Friday, so we were going to do a gig in Lyon in France and in Strasbourg. So the gig in Lyon's Friday, we go to Strasbourg on a Saturday, back to England on the Sunday, and then off to Germany a couple of days later. So it was the Thursday now, the day before we were going to leave, and uh, what was going on? I'd, I'd just gone to get my hair cut, so I was feeling quite good about myself. And um, I'm driving home, thinking, right, I need to pack, because we are leaving early and that kind of thing. And a few things happened, and suddenly... I just had this feeling of, like, complete fear. I had a bit of a meltdown, if I'm honest. I'm driving along, and I just had this feeling of, you can't do this. Um, you're, you're, 20, uh, well, 28, you're 28 now. You still struggle with sleeping. Just give up, you know. Just get a normal job. Don't, why are you putting yourself through this? You can't do this. And I got very... I started breathing heavy, and it was, I was in a bad way, to be honest. I was in a bad way. I called my mum, as I usually do, and uh, she prayed with me, and 
I still don't really feel any better, to be honest. Sorry, Mum. But, um, <laughs> and I was just like, right, I've got to cancel this. I can't go on this trip. Um, why am I putting myself through this? In the meanwhile, practically, I was seeing like there was reasons why I could get out of it. Because France had decided to do a national train strike that weekend. Yeah? And we were going to be getting a train from Lyon to Strasbourg. Uh, but it got cancelled. Well, no, actually, I got an email and they were kind of saying, yeah, it might be cancelled, it might not. Good luck, kind of thing, effectively. <laughs> um, so I was like, oh my gosh, I can't go to Lyon and not know how I'm going to get to Strasbourg. I looked to see if we could get a plane, we couldn't do that. I really couldn't find anywhere where we could rent a car. And I didn't really want to drive because it's like a six-hour drive. And I was thinking, well, I'm not going to be sleeping, so then I'm going to be sleep deprived. So I was thinking, this is my get-out-of-jail-free card. I'll just tell them, look. I can't do it because we're going to end up stranded in Leon and all this. And it felt like, yes. That wasn't what I was really worried about. I knew it would be all right. But um, I thought that's my excuse. And that sounds like a pretty good one. Um, but then I just had this feeling from God, just, no. You know, this, I, I have you in this. This is something that I've given you. So I decided to go. And, oh, yeah, another point. So when I do go away, when I do go away for, for work, I like to book everything. I like to know exactly where I'm staying. You know, I like to control it as much as I can, basically. Because it's like, okay, well, if it's going to be hard, I'm going to at least, I'm picking the hotel I'm staying in, that sort of thing. Um, but with Strasbourg, they hadn't given us any details. We knew the venue, but that was about it. They, wouldn't, they said accommodations provided and all these other things. But I would have much preferred to book my own thing. So I was really worried. No one really kind of knew that, but I was really worried about that. So anyway, I decided to trust God, and I went. And Leon was great. I mean, it was, it was really cool. We got to Strasbourg. It was a very, we rented a car in the end. Cost me a lot of money, which I prefer not to talk about. But um, got to Strasbourg, and then I can only describe it as, it was just one of the best experiences of my life. Like, like I said, we didn't know where we were going, didn't know anything that was going on. And uh, so I traveled with my friend Fred, who's also my DJ. And, He's just cool, like, so he don't, he's just nonplussed, but I'm kind of, he's sort of my manager as well, so I'm like, what's the details? And he's just like, yeah, I don't really know. So we get there, and then we meet these two women who um, were like the promoters for the gig. It was really random. They met us, and then it was like, they just looked after us. So for example, um, I kind of have stomach issues from time to time, so... At that time, I wasn't eating any meat. I was just eating fish. So I get there. They say they prepared this meal for us, which I've never experienced before. I don't know why they prepared a meal for us. But they'd prepared, they'd got local fresh trout um, and they'd, that they'd cooked for us, and they prepared this thing. Um, it was just one of the best meals I've ever had in my life. And uh, then I kind of said, so the, the, did the gig. gig was fine. And then I was kind of like, where are we staying? And this woman said, you're going to stay at my house. I thought, this is really strange. So we get, get to our house, and it's a nice house, but I was kind of like, so where are we staying? She said, you're going to sleep in my room. <laughs> all right, I realise how that sounds as I say it. Uh, she didn't sleep in the room, all right? So, um, so she gave me a room. It was one of the best nights of sleep I've ever had. Um, I woke up in the morning. We had to get an early flight out, and... Uh, I woke up in the morning, I went to the kitchen, and this woman, I don't know where she slept, but she's squeezing oranges for like fresh orange juice, she's got coffee brewing, she's gone out and got all this like, all these baked goods, um, and trust me, I've done a lot of gigs, and I've never experienced treatment like this in my life. 
Um, but it just felt like at that moment, as I was eating my croissant, um, <laughs> I, I just felt like God was just telling me, look, Nick, I know what I'm doing. You know, I couldn't... Um, if I'd have tried to plan that, I could never have planned it anywhere as near as good as God did. And it was just such a reminder that if you step out, trust that I will, um, I will provide. And like I say, not every experience has been like that. I, went to, I came back from France feeling really good and feeling really excited by what God did. I went to Germany a few days later. It was quite hard. Um, there was no fresh trout anywhere. <laughs> but, so God hasn't made it all miraculously perfect, and I'm still working through it, but I know that there's no better place to be than where God has me to be. Um, so I have to kind of step out and do these things. That sometimes involves me making a decision that I really don't want to make, and especially when my present reality is kind of telling me otherwise. Um, and I'm, I'm seeing the fruits of that. Like I say, I still face the challenges, Maybe he'll release me from it completely one day. Maybe he won't, and he'll just give me the grace to kind of get through it each time. I don't really know, but I do know that I want to be where God has for me to be. So that was Leon of Strasbourg. And then about, uh, about a month ago, I was in Istanbul. Um, so I was in Istanbul for about eight days, and I was there to do a trip working with these music producers out there. Now, I slept really well out there. That was really great. Um, and Istanbul is just a really nice place. But anyway, so Istanbul is a massive city. Um, it's got about 15 million people officially, uh, a lot more unofficially. Um, when you compare that with London, which has 7 million people, there's a lot of people. And it's a huge area as well. So I'm staying in a particular area in Istanbul, and I've been going to this cafe every morning to have my breakfast and whatnot, a little red berry smoothie and stuff. But um, so one day I was there, it's probably about the fourth day, I walk in. And um, I remember, I was telling Jamie about this the other day, I remember looking in the mirror as I was leaving my hotel, and I looked terrible. I was wearing dodgy vests, dodgy shorts. Um, I looked like a real tourist. And I remember kind of saying, no one knows you here, it's fine. And um, so I walked into this cafe, and then someone started shouting, Nick, Nick. And then I looked, and someone's walking towards me, and I recognize him, but he's walking towards me so fast, I can't really work out who it is. And before I know it, he's like hugging me. And uh, then I remembered, it was this boy that I went to school with. Um, this boy called Ali and me and Ali we went to primary school and secondary school together he didn't complete secondary school um, but we were really good friends in primary school so he's given me a big hug and it's very random he is Turkish when he's, he's English but he moved out to Istanbul a few years ago I found out anyway so we arranged to meet up in the evening uh, so I met him in the evening we were just chatting and <laughs> It was quite embarrassing, really. But he says to me, do you know what, Nick? I'm not going to lie. I was quite surprised when I saw you in Istanbul, for obvious reasons, but also because I remember when you were at school, you were really anxious. And I remember when we went to the Isle of Wight in year six, and we, you know, I stayed in a chalet with you, and you cried the whole week. Because <laughs> you couldn't sleep. And I think, part of me thought, oh, I would have hoped you'd forgotten that by now. Um, but I was like, yeah, that is true. And um, at that point, I just felt like I heard from God. And just God said, tell him what I've done for you. And we had a long chat. I told him all about what God's brought me through. I shared the gospel with him. Uh, he remembered that I was a Christian, but we had a really good chat. Uh, and I don't think that story's finished. We've reconnected. He lives in Istanbul. I will be going out there again. Um, but that was just another way in which God was just letting me know my plan 
is bigger. I know what I'm doing. And at that point, it really felt exciting. And all those sleepless nights actually felt worth it just to have that conversation with him. Um, at that time, anyway. Um, so, yeah, that's that. Um, so, yeah, God can free us from fear. He wants to. Um, and it might look different for different people. I don't know. Some people might just get freed. Some people might be a longer process. But God is definitely with us through the whole thing. Next thing I want to talk about is God talking to us. I know that God communicates with us. Um, I've personally never heard the audible voice of God. But I can definitely think of many times when I've just had this sense that God is saying something to me. Kind of like that when we're talking about the nudge. Just getting this, this nudging feeling. And for me... It often shows itself as quite a random and sudden thought that just kind of drops into my mind or a sudden feeling that I need to do something. Um, there's loads of examples of this in the Bible of God talking to people. In Acts 8, it describes Philip, who's one of Jesus' disciples, as walking along and then he hears the Holy Spirit say to him, go and walk beside that carriage. So he does. And then it results in him meeting this eunuch, chatting to this eunuch, and leading this eunuch to Jesus. And it just said, yeah, the, the Holy Spirit said, go and walk beside that carriage. He did it, done this, and this thing happened. And I kind of read that and I think, is it that easy? Um, is that easy? And I guess the challenge to myself and, and us here is, yes, I think it can be. Um, it took me quite a while to recognize God's voice. And it's something that, if I'm totally honest, I have ignored quite a few times. But the reason that I was ignoring it was because I was coming from it from a place of fear rather than out of faith and excitement at the fact that I feel like God's talking to me and just the excitement of being involved in God's plan in some way. It always just felt like a huge burden whenever I got this feeling. So one of the first times I can remember this feeling like I was getting a nudge from God or I was hearing his voice was when I was in year 10 at secondary school. So I was about 14, I think. Um, I grew up in Waltham Forest and went to secondary school over there, which, when you're like 14, feels like a completely different country. Um, and at the time, there was a monthly event going on in the youth group. So I've been part of this church since I was born. Um, there was a monthly event going on in the church youth group that I was a part of called The Zone. And I felt a nudge from God to invite a specific friend from school to The Zone. Now... The friend was, was my friend Matthew, who was my first ever friend, actually. We've been friends since nursery, so since we were about three or four. And he was also, he was just a cool guy. He was like one of the most popular boys in our year. And we were mates. Um, he was a cool guy. He'd been to my baptism. He knew I was a Christian and different stuff. But um, at this time, I really felt like God was telling me to invite him. But that felt like really bad news to me at the time, to be honest. Because he was so popular, and I was quite insecure and very, I cared a lot about what people thought. Um, my friends at school were quite different to my friends at youth. So just in terms of the type of music that they listened to or the way that they dress. And these felt like really big things for me. Um, so I was like, oh gosh, Matthew's going to come. He's going to think I'm a weirdo. He's going to come back to school and tell everyone I'm a weirdo. I'm going to be a social outcast and all of this. It felt like a big deal at the age of 14. Um, so I was like, well, do you know what? Me and Matthew are mates, but I don't usually get one-on-one -on -one time with Matthew. So if that opportunity presents itself in the week, I'll do it. 
then it just, we just kept getting times where we would, it was just me and him. I remember that one lunchtime, literally all my friends got put in like, exclusion or something, <laughs> apart from me and Matthew. So we're like walking around, I don't know what 14 year old boys talk about, but we're just, we're probably not even talking, we're just walking around and I could just feel like God's telling me to invite him. And the truth is, I never did. Uh, I never invited him. And I was, it was because I was scared and I was thinking very selfishly. And I often think, what could have happened if I'd have invited him? He could have said no. Um, he could have come and thought I was a weirdo and told everyone I was a weirdo. Or he could have come and it could have changed the trajectory of his life. I'm still in touch with Matthew. I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. So again, I don't think God's done with that story. And I don't think that was his, his only chance. But I know that God wanted to involve me uh, at that point, And I was too scared to do it. One more story from school. So then there was another time, probably about a year later. I think I'm about 15 or 16. And we're kind of coming towards the end of school. And a boy gets moved into my form because he was being picked on in his form. And he just wasn't have a very, having a very good time with it. I didn't really think much of it because form's like 10 minutes a day or something. And um, I had my friends. I was good. So I just carried on. And then again, I felt like God telling me to befriend this boy. And I really was like, oh gosh, here we go. Because um, he, was, he was a nice kid, but he, was, he didn't make life easier for himself at school. So I just, he was quite annoying. Um, but I felt like I heard from God. Again, I was like, well, I only see him in form for like 10 minutes a day or whatever. Just, you know, if I see a bit more of him, maybe I will. And slowly he started getting moved into all my classes. So... <laughs> It was like, oh, okay, so he's been put next to me in sociology, or, all right, I'll sit next to him in science. Was, I couldn't escape him. And honestly, I ended up being friendlier to him than everyone else, but I didn't, like, befriend him. And, uh, again, I, I always, I just, I think about that. Now, he's someone, actually, that has seemed to pop up in my life at random times. So, he lived in... Walthamstow, I think. I think he lived in Walthamstow. And I had finished school, moved over to Goodmaze with my family. And like I say, Goodmaze to Walthamstow at the age of 15, 16 does feel like two different countries. So I didn't figure I'd really be seeing him again. I thought, oh, I heard from God, I didn't really do it. Whatever. I started going to sixth form at St. Edward's in Rumford. And I remember one time I walked into the common room and uh, he was just standing there. <laughs> and I was like, what are you doing here? And he didn't really seem to know what he was doing there. <laughs> it was really weird, actually. Like, it was really weird. Because he was like, sort of with this girl, but they didn't seem to know each other. It was really strange. Anyway, I had a little chat with him. You know, how you doing, whatever. We reconnected at that point. We started chatting a little bit. And I remembered what God had been saying. So we sort of stayed in touch. And then a few years passed to about five years ago. So about 2013. We're friends on Facebook. That's what it kind of came down to. We were just friends on Facebook. He was one of these people that would put up quite interesting statuses. So he was um, quite interesting to be friends with on Facebook. But then one time I read a status and it said, uh, he said something along the lines of, I'm stuck in New Zealand. Uh, I've run out of money. I've run out of food. I don't know what to do. Can someone please help me? And I read that and I just thought, oh, what a wally. And um, <laughs> carried on with my life. And then I was driving, a few days later, I was driving to the studio at the time, which was in Tottenham. So I was driving and I had some music playing. Um, 
And I felt like I heard from God and it was just, you need to buy this guy a ticket home, plane ticket home from New Zealand. And I didn't like the sound of that, so I turned up the music a bit louder, <laughs> kept driving and just really, really tried to forget about it. Um, and I did forget about it for a few days and then it came back to me. And then I think I said it, I think I said to my mum, like, mum, I think I might have to buy a plane ticket for this guy. So she encouraged me to speak to Phil before I went and spent all my money. Phil's kind of who I chat to. So I went and chat to Phil. I thought, oh, maybe Phil can talk me out of it. <laughs> and he was kind of like, well, if you're feeling this God, you know. He's like, I'll oh, chat to John. So I thought, yes, John will chat, talk me out of it. And I went to see John and I, I kind of said what I thought. And John said, if you feel this God, then you know what to do. <laughs> uh, at this time, I didn't really have money for a ticket from New Zealand uh, spare. I was about 22 or 23, I think, and I hadn't made my millions from music yet. Um, <laughs> that's a joke. And, uh, <laughs> so I remember looking at the plane ticket, and plane tickets from New Zealand to England are really expensive. And, uh, but I knew that God had told me to do it. So I bought the ticket. It's quite a lot of money, definitely not money that I really felt like I had spare at the time. And, uh, so I told him, I said, look, I'm going to buy you this ticket. I feel like it's something God's told me to do. Um, he loves you, and yeah, if you want to meet up when you're back, that'd be great. And uh, so he, he, he was very grateful, of course, as you would imagine. Um, and that was about five years ago, and I haven't seen him since. He lives up north, but we still chat quite a lot. And again, I know that God's not finished with that story. And I think back to when I was, maybe it would have just been easier. I could have saved myself a few bob if I'd have just listened to God in the first place. <laughs> But I know that God is in control, and I can't work out what that whole thing is about. I don't know, but I know that God is in control, and he knows what he's doing. So, yeah, then, there's, so then as I've kind of grown up and I've um, just got to know God more, I've started to hear that voice and be able to see it a bit clearer and, and obey. I remember one time when I was chatting with a friend, he wasn't a Christian and I was just chatting saying how are you how are you doing whatever we're just catching up and he's telling me I feel really I'm just finding myself getting really angry a lot and I find myself snapping at my mum particularly and she doesn't deserve that I'm just angry and uh, it's not good and I felt like I heard from God at that point it's like ask to pray for him and I was like yes I'm gonna ask to pray for him and so I said oh can I pray with you about this and he looked at me and was just like no like, <laughs> Like, why would you think that you could pray? He, I felt really silly. And he was like, no, I'm not up for that. He didn't hold back. He was like, I'm not up for that one bit. So I felt myself go red, which usually happens when I get embarrassed. And I was thinking, what was that about? Like, I, I, I thought I heard from God. And, um, but I just felt like God was saying, you, you did what I asked you to do. It's, it's not down to me how it turns out. Um, and it kind of it felt like trial and error. So I, there's a bit in Acts 16. Um, Acts 16, verse 6. So Paul's travelling around wherever he's travelling around, sharing the good news. And so I'm just going to read a few verses from Acts 16, 6 to 8. So it says, Next, Paul and Silas travelled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had told them not to go into the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed into the province of Bithynia. But again, the spirit of Jesus did not let them go. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the city of Troas. 
And it's that bit in verse 7 where it says, but again, the spirit of Jesus did not let them go. So they're kind of walking around trying to work out where they're going to go next to share. And they're like, we'll go here. And then they get in here and Jesus is not letting them go. I don't really know what that means. I don't know if that means they'll get there literally, no one's opening their doors to them or whatever. But it just kind of made me feel like you do what you, what you think God is telling you to do. It's not down to us how it turns out. It's down to us to obey and trust in God. So there are a few examples in my life of how he talks to me. It'd be good for you guys to just have a think about maybe how God talks to you. I think he can do it in all different ways. But when you feel those nudges from God, it's never necessarily going to be easy or comfortable. But who wants to be comfortable, you know? It can be scary, yeah, but it's also really exciting to think, wow, God's trying to involve me right now. And back when I was at school and still at other points in my life, I felt like a burden, like I've got to do this. But I've realised... God's not a harsh taskmaster that's just saying, right, I need you to do this, that, and that. Report back to me when they're done. He's a loving father that wants to involve us. So if he's talking to us and he's, and he's telling us to do things, he's going to equip us with what we need in order to do that. Will God punish us if we don't do what we feel like he's saying? I don't think so. But what more could we want to do than what God is having us to do? Where else would we want to be other than where God has us to be? And if you do hear from God, then you can trust that it's what he has for you. And therefore, yeah, like I said, he'll equip you with what you need to do it. Um, and I'd encourage you to, you know, talk with whoever you talk with um, about those things if you feel like God's saying stuff to you. But yeah, trust that voice. My final point is about allowing God into all parts of our life, uh, especially like the hard bits and the bits maybe that we're a bit more ashamed of or bits that we don't understand because he wants to use everything sometimes things happen in life and it can just be really hard to work out why would God let that happen I don't know what people have been through in this room but I'm sure you guys know what I mean and I can think back final story from me of, of my life back to a time when I was about 15 16 and so I'd got into rapping about I've been rapping for a few years and I was, a lot of my mates rapped at school and all that kind of thing, so we would do it. And I was still involved, I was very involved with the church, but I kind of, to an extent, was living a bit of a double life. And because I lived in two different areas, it almost felt like where my friends where I live are very different to my friends at church. And yeah, I was a bit confused. But so I'd started hanging around with these boys in my area who were quite like well known for music and other things. Um, I was involved in the music, but I knew that they were dealing drugs. They were doing all sorts of things. But they had this absolutely amazing studio in Black Horse Road in Walthamstow, which they let me use for free. So I was kind of in. So I was using it a lot, and I was hanging around with these boys. And like I said, I knew what they were up to. I wasn't really getting involved. There was a few sketchy moments. But um, on the whole, I was just like, no, I'm just there for the music. But I became friends with these guys. And some of them I'd known since I was like eight or nine years old anyway. And... It got to a point where one of, uh, one of the guys who was a few years older than me, and he was kind of like a bit of a big brother to everyone, he would take me to the studio, get me food, all this kind of thing. He was murdered. And he, it was to do with um, really silly things, actually. It was to do with a, a kind of music, gang-related feud, and he was shot. And, yeah, he died. And I remember when it happened, at that point in my life, 
I hadn't experienced loss before. I had all my grandparents, you know. I'd, I'd had quite a, a nice life, I'd realised. And this happened, and a lot of my friends, it was a case where everyone knew who had done it and all that kind of thing. And a lot of my friends were just filled with all sorts of anger and they wanted to go and get revenge. And I was never going to do any of that, but I remember feeling really confused and just upset, but also just confused, like, how could this happen? Like, how, could, how could God let this happen? And I remember asking God that. And I just felt, again, I just felt like this, these words kind of came into my mind. And it was just Jesus saying, when I died and I rose again, that I forgave you of your sin, but I also freed you from any feeling of bitterness or anger or hurt or all these things that I saw my friends feeling. And... That changed the trajectory of my whole life. And I, I think I really realised at that point exactly what it was that Jesus had done for us. And then I often think back to that now and I think, so what, did my friend need to die in order for me to see that? I, I don't think he did. And I don't think that's what God intended. However, I know that God's used it. And it's quite a hard thing to work out I had a lot of nightmares and all different sorts. It showed itself in different ways, kind of, in, in the aftermath. But I knew that Jesus had showed me something. And that was really hard, but it kind of just made me realise that, I don't know, maybe there's things that people are just holding on to that they're angry about or they feel shame or guilt. or I don't know, but God can show himself in those things. And he really did show that with me. So God wants to use us all. And not only does he want to, he's trying to use us all. Are you open to that? How can you become sensitised or become familiar with that, that voice or that nudge or however it may be showing itself in you? Because I believe that God's doing that with all of us. If he gives us a nudge, he's got what and can give us what we need to do it. So my challenge to you guys would be commit to taking a risk when you hear that nudge from God. Actively choose to follow that nudge or that feeling or that voice rather than giving in to fear. And allow God into all parts of your life. Surrender the hard stuff and allow God to show himself and let his grace flow through it. God has plans for us all. I've got no doubt about that. They might not look how we imagine that they'd look or even how we'd like them to look. But there's no better place to be than where he has us to be and no better thing to do than what he has us to do.